This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi guys, no, 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 no. Yes, I did that. And you would do it too, Quache. What is this? A face? What is this? A book? Oh my God. Facebook. I did you Welcome to Don't Let This Flop, a podcast about internet culture brought to you by Rolling Stone. Where two smart people talk about the dumbest shit that happened online this week. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm EJ Dixon. So unless you've been living under a rock, you've probably been well aware that Baz Luhrmann's flashy Elvis biopic. Is it biopic? 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 I don't know. I think it's biopic. It's not biopic. like myopic. It's like yeah. biographical pick. I feel like I've literally never known how to pronounce that. So I've just kind of gone between the two. Anyway, Elvis is hitting theaters this weekend. It's been hard to ignore this past month because the movie is going to be one of the summer's big budget box office draws, like most of these flashy biographical movies. Isn't so, it? Isn't this where Tom Hanks got COVID? Isn't that yes, like it's yes, claim yes, to yes. fame? Yeah. He got COVID in Australia while filming the movie because they started filming in early 2020. So that was where when he had gotten it. One of the scariest days of my life on the internet. And for Chet Hanks. So scary was... for Chet Hanks. And also like a shining moment for Chet Hayes. Yeah, that was a, a big moment for him. That was like the one time where he was like, leave us alone, conspiracy theorists, like go away. And now he's crazy again. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it ever stopped really. <laughs> anyway, but the marketing vehicle behind Elvis has made a really, really huge promotional push that will likely pay off because everything about Elvis is everywhere right now. It's taken over TikTok. There's a huge mix of creators who are doing spawn content around the movie, I've seen like really kind of mid-level to smaller fashion creators do like Elvis-inspired haul videos and like really, really huge content creators went to the premieres. Like it's, they've been doing a huge TikTok push. And then of course, there's the buzzy Doja Cat flip on Hound Dog that has also taken over TikTok and is pretty much bound to become a hit now that it's out. And of course, they're doing everything under the sun to turn Austin Butler into a Brad Pitt-level A-list hunk. He walked down the Met Gala red carpet with Elvis's own teenage bride, Priscilla Presley, celebrated a 10-minute con standing ovation with his supermodel girlfriend, Kaya Gerber, and he has been covering major magazines across the globe. And it's mostly working, all of this, like, push, because Butler's been getting rave reviews. Like, the movie itself has kind of gotten a mix of reviews just because it's Baz Luhrmann and it sounds, like, pretty crazy, like a really bad trip. But Austin Butler himself apparently is carrying the film and doing really well portraying Elvis. And it also doesn't help that he kind of looks like a TikTok e-boy in another timeline of his life, if he had not become an actor. Hey. The only thing giving people pause is the fact that even after wrapping the film, Austin Butler has not yet dropped the Southern drawl he adopted for Elvis. It feels so good being back here. I had the best time of my life getting to shoot this film in Australia and it just feels so magical getting to be back. So thanks for hosting us here and uh, I hope you all love the film. I guess this would have been effective if he was a nobody who was getting his first big break from the movie and can start a clean public slate and just introduce himself to the world as a guy who just happens to sound like Elvis. But Austin Butler was a Disney kid who dated Vanessa Hudgens for years. He was just enough tablet clout and pre-existing stands that the Anaheim native was immediately called out for his method press cycle. 
Okay, is Austin Butler attractive? Yes. Is he dating Kaya Gerber? Yes. But can somebody answer me this? Why is this man still talking in his Elvis accent? Every interview I have seen of him, he is still talking in his Elvis accent. And this man is from Anaheim, California. The difference in the voice, EJ, I don't know if you've like listened to a lot of the difference videos, but like it's kind of like, it's just like, not like a huge, huge difference, but like he does like these like weird like Southern drawl things where it just like makes him sound insane. It's noticeable. Yeah, it's definitely noticeable for sure. He's not like he's like taken on like a, a Madonna British accent, but like it is very noticeable. And it's kind of wild that he's continued it, even though they finished filming like two years ago. He does not sound like he's from Anaheim. I'll tell you that much for not free. Not at all. And again, there's like all this stuff Like he's already had like a pretty big fan base. I, I can't I don't know what Disney show he was on, but apparently it's very popular. And like people have all these videos of the way that he used to sound. And he tried to play it off as like he's just like people haven't heard his voice in a while. And that was when he was a teenager blah 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 but like you don't become southern when you hit puberty that's just not how it works but i like wish I said, that sounds like fun <laughs> there were times when i like occasionally like when i was a teenager i would talk in like southern accents for fun <laughs> like when i was like traveling or something because I, I thought i was really good at accents i wasn't like everybody's completely saw through it but like it's, it's a fun thing to do at times well then that that's maybe uh, working in austin butler's favor maybe we can help him out and let him know that everyone has done that everyone's changed their voice to a southern accent but the promotional campaign is i would say it's essentially working austin butler everywhere and the movie itself has sparked a really newfound fascination with Elvis himself. So this was on its own a huge feat to begin with because public interest in the quote-unquote king of rock and roll has slipped over the years as reported on by our own David Brown a couple years back. His estate's earnings had dwindled dramatically and there was no source of newer generation rock nostalgia in the way that artists like the Beatles, David Bowie, Fleetwood Mac, and more had garnered in recent years. Like no one was streaming Elvis songs. They weren't taking off in other places. They weren't being heavily featured in movies. Like there was no sort of like Kate Bush running up that hill type of moment for Elvis at all in the last like decade or so. So there's a pretty big argument for never even resurrecting Elvis to begin with. And this is because people are, a lot of Gen Z kids are learning about the history of Elvis for the first time or learning about who he was and what his life was. They're essentially canceling Elvis again on TikTok. So he had, as we, I mean, for people who do not know, he had in the actual definition of the term groomed Priscilla Presley through her teenage years to be his wife. I think that's probably the actual classic definition of grooming, not in the TikTok Gen Z like age gap definition of it. She was 14 and he was 24 when they met in Germany as he served military time. Yeah. They had a very like creepy relationship. Really creepy. They like didn't, it was like a whole thing where like they didn't have sex when she was underage, but they basically like were, he was like basically training her and like preparing her to be his wife. And like, he like would like cheat on her, but it was just like a really weird thing. Like she was very like sort of like submitting to like what he had wanted her to be and like remodeled her. He like made her wear hair a certain way, dress a certain way. Like she was completely molded by Elvis as a teenager. Yeah. He kept her in like this apartment and like, get fetter amphetamines and like you know about his white underwear thing i'm assuming no that that i don't know about oh okay well elvis had a fetish for like brunettes in white underwear he was really into like brunette pubes in white underwear and that was just like what so he would always make her wear white underwear and it was just like one of the very very many creepy controlling things that he did to his very young girlfriends yeah so this has been a very complicated thing for like a lot of People on TikTok who have sort of been posting about, like, I feel uncomfortable watching the movie, all of this. Like, why is there a movie about this guy? 
And of course, the other part of it is that Elvis was also ground zero for white appropriation of Black music. In his early years, when he was just getting played on the radio, he was often confused for a Black man. And of course, this was the segregated America where music was, I mean, this is not totally stopped existing, but like radio stations only play Black music versus white music. Black music wasn't seen as marketable. Black artists weren't seen as marketable. They can only play to Black audiences. Like It was a complicated time, especially for Elvis, who was performing and ripping from Black performers and who were still struggling to get noticed. And of course, the song Hound Dog was originally sung by a Black artist before Elvis turned it into a huge hit. So as a music journalist, I don't have like a strong opinion on Elvis, really. Like I've liked his music because my grandpa really was a huge, huge super fan of Elvis. I grew up on his music a lot. But just to offer some quick historical accuracy to some of the stuff, like there's actually Elvis was like pretty beloved in the Black community during his time, during his early years. And he also did do some work to uplift the genre as created by Black artists. Of course, looking at both at the kind of whole picture, I think there's been some misinformation spread. He was misquoted several times about saying like anti-Black things. And of course, that was absorbed because misinformation continues and persists in different ways. And so that had been absorbed by later generations. The grooming stuff, however, is very true and corroborated by everyone in Elvis's life, including, of course, Priscilla. And I think like the whole thing right now is people are like, this is weird and like weird to have this film about a guy like Elvis. But of course, no one's seen the movie except for the reviewers who have said that it is kind of complicated portrayal of it. It kind of raises a lot of questions about like, how do we make movies about huge public figures? How do we kind of talk about like different musical legacies of people who are complicated like this? But it's also just like, I find the panic that's happening around it a little bit hilarious because I feel like this conversation has happened every few years where Elvis has been canceled. This is not a new thing. Like, I feel like EJ, like since we were teens, Elvis has been canceled. Yeah, I feel like that's a big part of the reason why you were talking earlier about like how he hasn't had like a career resurgence, like the way that like a lot of classic rocks like Fleetwood Mac has. I think it's in large part because people acknowledge how problematic he is. Yeah. Just like inherently how problematic it is for this white person to have stolen from black culture and sort of made a legacy for himself as a result of that. My grandpa spread misinformation to me that we were related to Elvis. What was his basis? <laughs> he said that we were like distant cousins or something, and I believed it for many years. Was he just lying? Yeah, he was a complicated man, but he was also a huge <laughs> stan of Elvis and... Yeah. I was like, okay, sure. That makes sense. So I don't know where he got I'd it I'd believe it if you told me. But yeah, I think like that it is funny to kind of see people like seeing like TikTok videos where it's like text overlay on someone just like sitting there like with their like hand very like solemnly on like a fist and they're just like, just FYI, Elvis was a pedophile. And it's like, yeah, we know that. Like we've all known that. Like people, he was already canceled back in the early 2000s. It's kind of crazy how much my TikTok has been taken over by Elvis fascination. But there's another aspect of it where people have begun to dig into obviously the full history of Elvis, the Priscilla stories, like his affair with Anne Margaret has become a big thing on TikTok. Austin Butler, of course, himself. But like people have started to really dig into Elvis's really gross death by constipation on the toilet. So I've been getting so many explainers on his miserable final months of ingesting nothing but junk food and drugs that led to an extremely grotesque backlog of poop in his body that he struggled to pass leading him to inevitably die on the toilet at like the age of 42. So it seems like everyone else has also been unwittingly forced to participate in the Elvis died from constipation timeline. So I'm not sure if this helps or hurts his future exposure. It sure does something. Do you know offhand how many pounds of poop he had in his system? Oh gosh, I wish I did. I like don't know offhand, but it was like really crazy. Do you want to guess? Let's, we can play a game. Okay, let's guess. Okay, let me look it up really quick. Because the whole thing was like the cause of death was kept under wraps for many years, it was sort of like not made officially 
public until fairly recently. So his large intestine when he died was twice the diameter and twice the length of a normal colon. It was five to six inches in diameter, whereas the normal width is two to three inches. He was constipated for four months. So he had four months of poop in his system. And the actual amount of poop that he had in his colon was more than 30 pounds of feces. Absolutely That's too much. I I would venture to say that's too much poop. I would say yes. I think that's medically accurate. That is too much poop. (laughs) Do more on panic? Yeah, I actually have a great segue for this because... Both Elvis Presley and the animal that I'm about to talk about have notorious problems with digestion. So there's a great segue for you. The answers can be found in the MTV video games. Welcome to Moral Panic, the segment where we talk about the latest thing that people on the internet are needlessly flipping out over. And this isn't so much a moral panic as it is like a hilarious conspiracy theory with vague moral panic elements if you dig deeper. But I don't know if you've seen this, Brittany, but people on TikTok are becoming convinced that pandas are not, in fact, real animals. I have not seen that. I would believe that. I'm already sold on this conspiracy theory, but go on. Okay, let me tell you a bit more about it. I think that you're going to... I was thinking about this when I was writing this segment. Like, I think you're going (laughs) to... I think you're going to be sucked in. I'm a little worried. (laughs) I'm a little worried you're going to come back and be like a panda truther. I mean, listen, I've never met a panda, so how am I supposed to tell you if they're real or not? Haven't seen the ABBA hologram tour. I now believe anything can be just digitized and made to appear real. So... Go on with the conspiracy theory, but I'm already sold. It's a fairly old conspiracy theory, and there are a few things going on here. There's a lot of Reddit posts about this. I was able to find one from 2015 that reads, I'm fairly certain pandas are just an extremely elaborate hoax that has more than 4,000 upvotes. And that's basically about how people are basically speculating that pandas are humans in adult costumes. It also seems to be based in a lot of trivia, some of which I was able to fact check and corroborate, others of which I was not. But there's a lot of trivia about pandas that just underscores how weird they are like did you know they're carnivores but they almost exclusively eat bamboo no they also pee upside down (laughs) did you know they love to pee upside down (laughs) did you know that i told my husband that he he thought i was lying to his face until he googled it for himself he thought he thought i had just made that up i was like i'm not good like you saw me do improv in college like i'm not that good at improv (laughs) that i can like make that up whole cloth (laughs) there are all these very weird laws that are ostensibly aimed at protecting and preserving panda populations so that in in the context of all of these weird facts about pandas makes this just seem fishy on its face a weird thing number one it is illegal to interact with a panda as a civilian apparently there's a panda to human or human to panda virus that can kill a panda um, and that is why it's illegal to interact. It just makes you think, what are they so scared about? What if a regular civilian gets a hold of a panda body and they start digging even more? This creator, who goes by Glittershits.inc, goes on to say that pandas aren't documented in Chinese historical literature. That actually isn't true at all. Panda sightings are documented in ancient Chinese literature, and its pelts were even documented as menstrual cramp treatments in a medical encyclopedia that dates from between the late 4th and early 2nd centuries BC. But this whole conspiracy theory sort of rests on the fact that pandas are an endangered species and have this special protected status, despite being these weird-ass animals. Like, additionally, there's a lot of people who are arguing that there's no way pandas could even have survived for as long as they have, because evolutionarily, they just don't make sense. Like, their coats stand out in the wild, for instance, that makes them easy prey for predators. And then there's also the fact that it's hard to get them to reproduce. 
lose. Like even if they do have sex, it's it's hard for them to actually have babies because the female ovulation cycle is only once a year, which which is crazy. And this is only like sort of true. Like pandas do have trouble breeding in captivity, but they don't seem to have a problem breeding in the wild. But they're objectively like very weird facts about pandas, right? Like that sort of make your spidey sense tingle. Additionally, there have been documented cases of zoos faking panda bears by painting regular bears panda colors. There was a zoo in Taiwan that was caught doing this in the 80s. They got a brown bear and they were like, let's make this a panda. People shit themselves over pandas. So let's like dye it black and white. And they got caught. And it has raised people's suspicions about pandas ever since. So are you do you buy it yet? I I bought it minutes ago <laughs> you bought it the second it flew out of my mouth yeah i was like that makes you sense you were buying what i was selling i mean just to get into some context a little bit like to a certain extent this is somewhat tongue-in-cheek right like this is somewhat similar to the birds aren't real meme that went viral last year do you remember that yeah basically it was this meme that posited that birds are drones made up by the u.s government to spy on its citizens and that like that wasn't super serious right like it was started by people on tiktok who sort of founded it as like a parody movement to fight the onslaught of misinformation online and it was very much tongue-in-cheek and kind of intended as such but The problem is, like, even if you're spreading misinformation as a way of poking fun at misinformation, like, do people get the joke or does it sort of take on a life of its own? And this is kind of where it's starting to get a little bit dark. I have seen a bunch of videos, including the one that we excerpted above by the aforementioned Glittershits.inc, that suggests that pandas are somehow part of a global elite conspiracy because they're often used in diplomacy and photographed with world leaders. And they have linked this to something that's sort of become a meme in the QAnon conspiracy theory world, but like on the very, very extremist side of it called Panda Eyes. Have you heard of this? I have absolutely not. I don't want to explain what it is because it's honestly way too disturbing. And there's also no evidence to support that it's a thing whatsoever. It's totally made up. If people are really curious, they can Google for themselves. But that's the point where harmless conspiracy theory and actively harmful conspiracy theory intersect. Like it's one thing to just say pandas aren't real, LOL. And like another thing to say pandas aren't real and this is somehow connected to global elites sexually abusing children and this happens with a lot of conspiracy theories right like it's a very very slippery slope from supposedly harmless theories like the moon landing was faked to darker ones like QAnon or 9-11 trutherism that intersect with racism sexism homophobia that sort of thing you want to know what conspiracy theory I actually started for myself about pandas when I was in elementary school This actually triggered my memory of this. We had to like write a book report on animals or something. I don't remember what it was, but I wrote an entire like essay on why I think that humans evolved from pandas. It was based on what evidence? My only evidence was that I was literally like seven. Like I was like, I'm black and white. Pandas are black and white. Humans must have evolved from pandas. That's kind of beautiful, actually. So also because it was like I had some like weird panda book that I got from the library. And like the I remember very distinctly that the last few pages were like, there are some people who believe that humans evolved from pandas. And I was like, now in hindsight, I'm like, why was I in a children's book? I absorbed that information and then wrote an entire paper on it based off the fact that I am mixed race. So maybe I should continue spreading it. Maybe I'll become a TikTok conspiracy theorist and I'll be like, we've evolved from pandas. I think you should create the reality you want to see in the world. Thank you. I will publish that essay soon and rollingstone.com can we link to it in the show notes yeah a screen grab of it (laughs) i'd love to read it personally (laughs) i wonder if my mom still has it she probably does so are you sticking with to your guns that pandas are humans 
in panda costume? Look, I'm not not convinced. <laughs> it's not looking great for pandas are real, but like I'm going to I'll go with like the facts I've been fed all my life, which is that they are real. I mean, mostly at this point, I'm just mad. I know so much more about pandas than I did two days ago. But that's kind of nice. No, I'm mad about it. I didn't <laughs> want to know that. You think I want to know that pandas pee upside down or like about their ovulation cycles? That's like useful space that's being taken up in my brain. But in terms <laughs> of conspiracy theories, I just want to go on record by saying that the only one that we actually believe on here is that the queen is dead. Absolutely. As someone who is in London, I can confirm. That she's dead? Yes. You can just feel it in the air? <laughs> yeah, I feel, I feel a lack of royal presence in the city. Straight people. All right, let's do straight people where we cover the comings and goings of heterosexuals on the internet. How did you spend your June 16th, Brittany? I was in my London hotel investigating if the queen was dead. What did you order? What was your room service? I'm always curious about your room service choices. What did I get? Oh, that night I went to a pub. I did order a room service lunch because I, I landed on the 16th and I ordered a very sad Caesar salad. It was one of the worst Caesar salads I've ever had. London, horrible food. And then I went to a pub for dinner before seeing Sky Ferreira. And then I ate fish and chips at the pub. I went to my son's pre-K graduation, which is very nice. It was it was the Thursday of last week. But Camilla Marone, Leonardo DiCaprio's girlfriend, likely spent it in sheer terror. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name, by the way. Like, as you listeners know, we don't look this up. This is not what we get paid to do is look up how to pronounce things on Google. Like, I don't even know how to pronounce biopic. That is because, as Brittany informed me over Slack that day, June 16th, 1997, is Camilla's 25th birthday, which, of course, means that Camilla Marone is nearing her expiration date as Leonardo DiCaprio's girlfriend. Dun, dun, dun. Basically, somebody made an infographic a couple years ago with all of Leo's exes showing that as he ages, his exes stay the same age, which is 25. We will link to it in the show notes for the visual learners among us. He is currently 47 years old. He has been dating Camilla, who he first met when she was 12 years old because he's family friends with her dad since 2017. So they started dating when she was 19, 20, basically. And we've talked a lot about quote unquote problematic age gap couples on here and they're often cited as one but I feel like he kind of gets a pass because he's Leonardo DiCaprio and he's just like known people basically talk about this as if it's like a gross thing that happens but we all kind of just have to accept it I think the thing is like this one has stood out to people because he knew her so young like I don't want to say people gave it a total pass like I think like people have been sort of weirded out by the fact that they met when she was 12 I feel like it's been more significantly talked about than his past girlfriends I think it's also probably the age thing like he's now closer to 50 now like it's I think that's it but I I don't want to say that he's gotten like he's gotten a a pass in the sense of like I mean like no one's doing anything about it like they can't like but I think like people have pointed out that it's weird that they met when she was so young because that is very weird and it's very different than the other relationships people think it's weird and gross but they're kind of just like "Eh." they all get kicked to the curb when they're 25 like that's fine and the world has been waiting with bated breath for her to hit the 25 year mark where Leo kicks her ass to the curb like the children of Menudo. And she has finally reached it. So here is a slideshow that I made that you cannot see of their finest moments together. I will you. It's basically just pictures of them walking on the beach and going to like Erewhon together. It's not that exciting. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's nice that they have activities. It's nice that they have things to do, such as walking. <laughs> That's always like 90% of the photos of them are just them like walking. It's nice to have something in common with your dad's friend who's your boyfriend, <laughs> which is the enjoyment of walking on beaches. <laughs> I mean, our question is like, are they already broken up to begin with? I, I feel like, yeah. Me too. I think we haven't seen that much of them in a while. And the last photo that the paps took of them is them on the beach with Camilla rocking like a very coastal grandma look. She's wearing beige tone knits like she's just like clearly already leaning into her geriatric phase with Leo very gently kissing her on the head. And as you stated, Brittany, a kiss on the head is never good. Like, Yeah, real bad vibes. I'm sorry. If someone kissed me on the head and we were dating, I'm going to be like, did we just break up? Because it's weird. I feel like we're going to be hearing about this very it's soon. It's not like he's like significantly taller than her either. It's not like it's just like he had to kiss her on the head because he couldn't bend down any further. It looks very much like because of what she's wearing and because she looks kind of like Diane Keaton, it looks very much like he's like kissing his ailing grandma goodbye. Like that's how he conceives of her in his head. She'll be fine though. She's got a bunch of projects coming out that I don't care about. Okay, I do care about one of them. Which one? I am very, very excited for Daisy Jones and the Six, which is based off of, I didn't realize she was in this until recently, but it's like based off of this book that I really love that's kind of semi-based off of Fleetwood Mac. And she's in it, along with Riley Keough, Elvis's granddaughter. All comes full circle. Yeah, all the young hots are in it. That's as much as I know about it. But she also has an open invitation to co-host the podcast. Though I don't know how much input she's going to be able to provide for the himbo. Do you think she'll be like good at helping choose a himbo? Um, No, absolutely not. Do you think she knows what a himbo is? I feel like essentially, yeah. I feel like all of her himbos will probably be like Leonardo DiCaprio every week in an effort to win him back through the podcast. <laughs> she can learn what a himbo is now that she'll have more time on her hands. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So one of the things that has been virtually unavoidable for straight women on TikTok is videos on your For You page showing off how rich you can get if you sell feet pics on feetfinder.com. Have you seen these videos? They're like everywhere. I get them like all the time. Yeah, me too. They get a lot of engagement. And it's a little weird because TikTok community guidelines are like very, very strict. Like you can't even say porn on the platform without getting censored. Like most creators just call it corn or something cute like that. But the videos themselves aren't like super explicit. They're just hot girls showing off how much cash they made by selling their feet pics on this specific website. And noticeably, they're not listed as ads or partnerships, even though FTC's rules actually require influencers to do this. So the impression that people have that I had that Brittany you probably had when you watch these videos is you can make a shit ton of money on this website doing very little how much money is in your bank account over 20 125k damn what do you do for work I upload my feet to feed finder actually okay you got some nice toes thank I you see thank you so my girlfriend got dummy rich from feet finder we flew to LA because she needed a new car she but as it turns out that is not 
the case because Morgan Sung from NBC News did an investigation into feetfinder.com on TikTok. And what she basically found was all these emails that creators on the app had received from Feetfinder asking them to make these videos without disclosing that they're paid. So one such email was like, hey, can you make this funny TikTok video about how people can sell their feet pics for money on Feetfinder? And this is very clearly like against the rules of TikTok, which prohibits advertising for sexual services. But it's also against the rules of the FTC, which is the commission that regulates promotional content. They have filed complaints against many, many influencers for failing to disclose links to advertisers in their content. Like, this is not okay on many levels. And since Morgan's story came out, a bunch of these videos have added the hashtag paid or sponsored to their videos. And the story is kind of framed as a clear ethics violation on Feet Finder's part, which it definitely is. But I think there's another level to the violation here, which is that sex work is really, really hard right? There's a lot of work in content creation. There's a lot of marketing involved. And these videos sort of minimize that. Like by making it look like it's easy, it really diminishes the labor of the people who are actually investing a lot of time and money into their work. And it also draws a lot of people into the industry who may not be emotionally prepared to deal with the fallout of what happens when people discover you do sex work, which is inevitable. It always happens. And unfortunately, because society is not as evolved as we would like it to be, there's always backlash to it, right? Like there are so many stories of people losing their jobs, their families not talking to them. Like that's something that you should know before you enter the sex industry. And these videos that are just saying, oh, if you go on feetfinder.com and sell photos of your feet, like you'll make $50,000 a month. Like that's A, a lie. And B, it's not preparing young people for that. Yeah. I think also I'd seen some like comments in other videos refuting the fact that you can make any money really off of feetfinder. Like it's pretty, I feel like a lot of people who have used it also like we're not making any money on it, which is probably why FeeFinder was like trying to promote it more in some capacity. But people were just like, yeah, like this um, app is largely kind of scammy. Yeah, you have to pay to start an account, which is not that unusual. But like OnlyFans, you don't have to do that. I'm pretty sure. But it is scammy in itself. And just the idea that like you can make easy money doing anything should be a red flag in itself. So the moral of the story is if you see one of these videos, don't start a FeeFinder account. (laughs) I guess. Don't pay to sell your own feet. If you really want to sell your feet pics, do your research. Talk to other sex workers who are doing it regularly and making a lot of money. Be safe. Vet your resources. Unless you already have sold feet pics and you're making bank, in which case, good for you. So this week, we have a very fun interview. And I think like for EJ and I, we love cringe content. And I think for any online platform is full of its fair share of cringe and that cringe is always archiving a generation's growing pains for all to see indefinitely. And TikTok, of course, is a pretty incredible museum of cringe, especially since you're exposed to an algorithmically created collection of content, introducing you to all kinds of creators, no matter how big their audience is at random. So photographer and videographer Leah Jospi fashions herself as a curator of cringe. On the Instagram page, fave TikToks 420, Leia posts some of the weirdest videos the app has to offer. The primary subject of her fascination is largely how teenage masculinity plays out. Young men acting out what they think peacocking is through front-facing camera flirting. But there are all kinds of stage, lifestyle, dance, and acting videos that are nearly all made in the deep earnest that Leia reposts to her well-followed account. We talked with Leia a few weeks ago for this episode, but earlier this week, fave TikToks 420 was actually suspended on Instagram for some of the videos not following Instagram community guidelines, or like some video had been taken down, then the account was suspended. This has happened a few times to Leia, but for now can follow for more cringe at the Fave TikToks 420 backup account, Fave TikTok 69. Nice. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So why and when did you start Fave TikToks 420? I started it about a year ago, almost exactly, maybe like a few months longer than a year. And I started it because I was kind of like overloading my friends like with text messages of like, oh my God, look at this guy. Oh my God, look at this guy. Like, look at this guy. And they're like, Jesus, like, please. They're like, you should just like put this in one place and we can like check it on our own time. And I was like, that's not the worst idea. Cause I also was like seeing some sort of like thread kind of connecting all of these TikToks together. I couldn't really put my finger on it at that point or like didn't really get what was happening. And it was nice to see them kind of all in one space, I guess. It felt like a a way to like kind of like communally laugh or like share things with people. What makes TikTok cringe so particularly awful but fun to watch? I don't know if it's TikTok in particular, but like, I mean, it definitely is a platform that allows itself to like, because it's like so, it's like so youth based. Like, I feel like so many kids are on it specifically, like, pe- like kids, meaning like, you know, teens or people going through like the motions of like growing up, puberty, et cetera, kind of like finding yourself, but they're doing it so publicly on such a popular platform. So it's like, I feel like because it's just so, uh, it's so exposed and it's like such a, like difficult time as like growing up to like when you're finding yourself, it's like very humiliating in retrospect, like to look back and be like, oh my God, what was I doing? Like, you're kind of just like this like weird, like animal trying to like, you know, figure stuff out. And the way the algorithm works is like, you know, uh, any, it'll just show up on anyone's feed and you and you can kind of be like rewarded for that type of stuff. And therefore you just like get stuck in the trap of like doing it over and over. So I think because of that, there's just like a ton more content in general. I think it makes it more fun via TikTok just because there's just so much to sift through. Have you noticed any, are there specific or essential components to the types of videos that get posted to fave TikToks? And is there a specificity that you've noticed in tone that makes this particular video cringe? It's funny because like sometimes people will, I'll post like a, like a TikTok I just like, that doesn't really like follow any of like the normal criteria of the page. And I'll like get into what that is in a second. But like, it's very funny that like people will come and be like, well, this isn't cringe or actually this is good. (laughs) And I'm like, no, I know. Like, I like it. Like the page is called like fave TikToks. I happen to like love cringe like content in general I always have but like yeah no like I mean like the criteria ultimately is like did it make me laugh or is there something like worth like looking at within this like I think a lot of it does happen to be super cringe and a lot of it is based in like kind of like um youth uh culture youth like uh experimental like I don't know just like experimenting with like first of all like their bodies I guess publicly like how they're like sort of peacocking or you know representing themselves online like that's always been like a major interest of mine is like how people choose to represent themselves like kind of as an avatar of themselves on the internet because like as a kid you know 
I was very online. I was exploring different like ways to represent myself. And yeah, I don't know. I just feel like these kids are just doing it in such a more public forum. So it's very fascinating to me to watch how they kind of like move through that. And like, there's a lot more attention, attention involved with it. But like, I would say that like, ultimately what that kind of boils down to, like, as a visual is usually like young men or women, mostly men that are like very physically attractive, kind of like being super weird or like super not cool. Like the cool, popular hot guy would in my day would never post a video of him lip syncing to like a Harry Styles song while like grabbing his bro's chest. You know what I mean? Like that's just like not a thing that would have happened in my time. And like, it's cool that it's happening now. That's why I find it kind of interesting. There are many recurring uh, creators on your page. Who would you say some of your favorites are? I would say like my top would be like Tatum Fagan, who is the blonde girl who does like the super close up POVs kind of, or she makes these like insanely like ridiculous like plots that happen within like 30 seconds. And like she always has a crazy twist. She does like kind of like horror or thriller kind of vibes. She always like has one about serial killers that are like just ridiculous and could never ever happen. But that's kind of like why I fuck with them so much because they're just so absurd like uh for example her one about um i always i always like reference this one as like because this is like really one of the ones that like drew me into her was like she's a new girl at school and she invites these two kids over to her house to like swim in the pool and uh they come over and she's like oh like noah and jake like meet my father and their father's like, oh, boys, like, so nice to meet you. My name's Jeffrey Dahmer. And then, it, like, her face, like, turns to the camera, kind of, and she's like, <gasps> and then it ends. So it's just, like, that kind of thing is just, like, so absurd and funny to me. And, and so that's, like, her. And then Calvin Reef, who, he, they're both South African, actually. Calvin Reef, he is the king of, like, crying on command. He does these emotional POVs where he tries to connect to others on a, you know, on a more personal level of like, if you're the kid that's bullied or if you're the bully at school, like maybe like, you know, you don't know their life. And then he goes through, you know, what a bully might be experiencing at home. And it's like, I think the playlist on this thing is like, this will make you cry is like the playlist that these are all a part of. What does your For You page look like at this point? Like, is it, what does a, a typical scroll on TikTok look like now? I get a mixture of, you know, the thirst traps, uh, the POVs that are completely insane. There's always like, you know, uh, like I get a lot of Russian people. Like there's this one Russian guy that I always get fed all the time and he is like has a pet scorpion and he's always like naked with the scorpion on his chest and like there's like stuff like that and then there's also like I get a lot of like traumatic brain injury TikToks like a girl being like my husband suffered a traumatic brain injury and then they're like very like graphic and intense like slideshows with like a little like happy song in the background and it's just like very bizarre because it's like it doesn't feel like it matches like the intensity of the subject but i kind of find those fascinating too but really it is like mostly just like young men (laughs) like being weird yeah (laughs) is there anything that you consider off limits like you mentioned like getting sort of these like really traumatic videos like is there is there stuff that comes up that you're like you know like maybe have these sort of 
inherent rules that you've possibly made around the way that you care if you have made around the content? I'm like afraid of people on the internet being as mean and like because I like feel like often on other platforms or like whatever people like I can get like people take things that I say in bad faith or something and like kind of turn it to me being like not understanding like how I'm presenting something or understanding it. I would say that I don't post like any of like things that have to do with like someone's like actual personal experience with like, you know, sexual assault or something. So like I've posted ones where like these young men are like creating fake scenarios where they're like, uh, like the white knight for like girls that have been raped or something. Right. So, but I wouldn't post, I don't think I would post like you know, I did find this one TikTok that I thought was like completely like insane, but like I wasn't going to post it because I don't want people to get the wrong idea. It was like a girl talking about how it's like a video of her, I assume, dancing like at a festival into like really like happy music. And like the text that comes over it is like about how she was like sexually assaulted by her Uber driver. And so like it's just like the the juxtaposition of like the sound imagery, like, the sound and the imagery with like the content that like was really like jarring and I would have like liked to be able to post that but I know that the way that I'm curating stuff it doesn't really make sense because I'm not making fun of her at all I'm not making fun of I'm not like poking fun at her rather not making fun like I'm not there's no thing to really poke fun at more than just being like why would you choose like this music and this video to like say that and also just like the on tiktok there's a lot of oversharing i feel um so to me it's just like whoa you know but i wouldn't i wouldn't post stuff like that just because um yeah i don't want people i don't want people in the comments like a lot of the time they're really well behaved and like get the point and like realize that we're never trying to like really like hurt someone like that's kind of my goal it's more to like poke fun at like the absurdity of all of this like including our like relation to it like as millennials or like you know people outside of that world and like I sometimes people like will go overboard and I try to like monitor that as much as I can I don't want to post something that's going to open up you know a major possibility for just like you know people being mean it's important to me that this that my comment section is more of a positive like like place and more for like laughter rather than like malicious like punching down I guess yeah do you ever hear from creators who have had their feelings hurt by being posted on your page though like do you ever worry about being mean I do worry sometimes like uh but I like if they find the page like for example Tatum I remember when she found the page and I wanted to make sure that like she understood why I was like posting I dm'd her and I was just like hey I just want you to know that like you're like, you're kind of like beloved on this, like on this Instagram. Like I'm a huge fan. I think you're like hilarious. I love your writing. And I think you're doing something really interesting that I've never seen before. And she's like, Oh my God, thank you so much for the support. No, like I was like, I hope you know that like, I'm not trying to make fun of you. And most people aren't here, but some people, you know, I can't control everyone. And she's like, Oh my God, no, I totally understand. A lot of these kids are better at dealing with or compartmentalizing like online hate than maybe I or you are or something just because like they grew up with it in such a public way they can be like oh whatever those are just like haters online like I don't care um they, they have like this confidence about them that I'm I'm pretty like jealous of in a lot of ways I like to try to like talk to these people and like see kind of what's going on there um because i again like find it fascinating i don't i don't i'm not i don't think they're like idiots and i don't think you know they're 
should be like ridiculed like necessarily i feel like it's kind of apparent my tone i hope it is anyway (laughs) (laughs) to them it is it seems so thank you so much for coming on yeah thank you yeah of course thanks for having me Welcome to Himbo of the Week, where EJ and I forget that we are doing a podcast for our jobs and are horny on Maine ever so briefly. So today we are crowning a longtime himbo as our Himbo of the Week. Chris Evans has been a himbo since he stuffed a banana in his butt for Not Another Teen Movie, which is an incredible film. And he was even more of a himbo when he repeatedly hit on the writer of his GQ profile a decade ago, creating the horniest profile of a human person ever written. She loved it. I mean, yeah, I like I literally it's like my dream. It's every female journalist's dream is to go through what Edith Zimmerman went through that night when she profiled Chris Evans. Specifically with Chris Evans. And he is a himbo now for being from Boston. So the other other week, Chris Evans attended the premiere for his new movie, Lightyear, a Toy Story spinoff where Chris Evans takes over as the titular Buzz Lightyear from Tim Allen for reasons I don't really know besides like Tim Allen sucks. So while on the red carpet, <laughs> he was approached by Access Hollywood, who I think asked him about his mustache. I don't know. I've watched the video and I've listened to the audio an insane number of times, like a number that I literally cannot repeat on the record and still can't absorb what's happening beyond Chris Evans. Just listen. Chris, look, I've been asking everybody here today. What do you got? Brother, you posted this. We got the mustache without the mustache. All right, what do you prefer, mustache or no mustache? Be honest. (laughs) I need like like a house remix of this just to play on repeat in my head. It's too much. It's so, it's so much. So I've gone on the record as someone who hates Boston. I think it's a shit city with awful bars, terrible food, and racist energy. But that accent, when wielded correctly, is extremely hot. I just, I'm not a total hater, so. I think that you're being unfairly swayed. Like, a lot of girls from Boston have, like, made TikToks being like, do not let this video convince you that, like, the Boston accent is hot. And I think that's, like, a very valid perspective. I think any accent can be hot when wielded correctly. And I think the Boston accent can be hot when Chris Evans speaks in it. It's just so often used in a racist context. (laughs) Again, I have gone on the record. I do not like Boston. I think it is a terrible place. I would not even move to Boston for Chris Evans if he begged me to. He's living there people people spot him around he's been living in boston since the pandemic people like see him like materialize in various locations in the massachusetts area like at dunkin they'll be like dunkin donuts we saw chris evans that is not enough for me it's not enough i'm sorry even after this video even after i had a, a burrito at a place that had a plaque outside of it that said that was where edgar Allan poe was born i'm not sold <laughs> Boston's not worth it, but the accent, when he says it, very, very hot. And I know, he just, he makes it sound pornographic in a way I will not be detailing any further. I just, I've listened to it multiple times a day just to make it from minute to minute. Never has a himbo himboed harder than Chris Evans. Hold on, you've been scrolling for way too long now. Maybe you should get some food, get some water, and then come back later. Thanks so much for listening to Don't Let This Flop. Please share this podcast with someone you love or someone you hate. Either way, we don't care which one. This podcast is brought to you by Rolling Stone and Cumulus Podcast Network, written and hosted by me, EJ Dixon, and Brittany Spanos. Executive produced by Jason Fine, Bridget Chelsea, and Elizabeth Garber-Paul, and produced by Jesse Cannon with music by Brian DeMeglio. 